This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. It is an honor and a pleasure to be in your ear right now, whether you're on your commute or walking your dog or working out, whatever your choice. Um, I have had a great week. Uh, The boys finished their first week back in school. Uh, I think they're really going to have a great year. They were so happy, and um, we actually ended up having a get-together at the house on Friday to kind of celebrate that that first week being back and to reconnect with people in our community that you know we we see around town but we don't really connect with and I think nowadays it's so hard you know as connected as we are on social media we don't have that face to face time and I started to realize I was literally sitting in bed the week before you know online on social media and I started to realize that you know We need more of that face-to-face contact with people. Our souls need it. You know, our minds need it. Everything about us needs that. We we aren't having that like we used to. I think even, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, that was just so taken for granted. And to have that now is is really a treat and a gift. So I was sitting in bed a couple weeks ago thinking like, okay, well, if this is how I'm feeling, I need to do something about it. So I just started texting and emailing people that I like and that I appreciate and their kids get along with my kids. And I was like, do you want to just come over? (laughs) And um, I think people were probably a little surprised because we haven't done a party like that in a while. But you guys, it was so amazing. It was so much fun and it was chaotic and crazy because we had all these kids running around downstairs. But I loved every single minute of it. I loved connecting with these other humans who are in it. You know, their kids are young, they're they're doing their best, they're stressed out. I mean, it's exactly what I talk about on this show and what I talk about on my Instagram at Motherhood Unstressed. And it was in real life and I just soaked it all in. And I think everyone who was there really, really enjoyed it too. And I also invited some people who are in their 20s and like they don't have any kids yet and to watch their face as the kids are like screaming and running around was kind of funny, but we laughed about it. And that too, I think was really great too, because to mix in older and younger people in a room, you really get some different perspectives and you really get to see how connected we all are and how much we actually do relate um, because we're all, you know, in this city, in this country, in this world. So I just loved it. And I definitely, definitely am going to have more things like that in the future. Just because to me, like selfishly, it was just so healing for me. And that's honestly something I really want to get uh, better at is just building up these relationships that I already have in my life. Um, But really, focusing my energy and my attention on nurturing those relationships and building those up. Because as Esther Perel says, you know, the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. And and I'd get chills even saying that because it's so, so true. Um, so that's really going to be my focus for 2020, 2019, 2020. Um, politics aside, I'm going to be really focusing on my face-to-face relationships in my life and you know all the relationships that I have with you the listener out there um, that is meaningful to me too and who knows maybe one day we'll meet up at some event or some conference um, and we'll have this you know standard relationship already built which is just so special and healing as well 
Um, but to move on to why we're here today is to talk about my guest and the uh, life experience that she is sharing with all of you today. Her name is Anne Kaplan. She's a birth worker and a parenting coach, and she works with moms and moms-to-be. She originally started out working with um, expecting mothers um, because she went through, she had a pretty traumatic birth herself, and you know she figured out that that's, that's not something that that's okay. You know She wants to help other women avoid that. Um, and so she was a doula and, you know, <clears throat> treat, you know, helping moms really create, um, the birth experience that they would love to have. And we all know birth experiences, who knows what can happen, anything can happen, but really crafting, you know, a good mindset around that. And then it kind of evolved into her helping women, you know, as their kids got older, cause they loved her and they loved working with her. So she continued on as, you know, her clients, kids, um, got older, But in this episode, we are talking about self-care, of course, Um, the importance of self-care and sense of self for mothers. How often do we feel like we're giving everything we have to our kids and then in the process losing ourselves? I mean, this is like so resonating with me and my message and everything, you know, that I deal with with my audience and and you guys because we get it. You know, this is real life. Um, But we do take an interesting turn in the conversation because I read a blog post that she did about her sexual revolution. And you guys know I am super interested in anything relating to sex. I think we all are. Um, And so I had to ask her about that. And, you know, you think you read sexual revolution, you think it's going to be about more sex and embodying your sexuality, which I think is super important and necessary. But actually, it's the reverse and why she felt like she didn't want to have to do her duty as a wife and have sex whenever her husband wanted her to. She said, no, you know, and I don't want to tell too much, but she said, no, I'm not going to be that way. And here's why. And uh, we kind of get into that too, which I think is really just authentic and real and healing too, because if you're a woman who feels like you're having sex when you don't want to have sex, like that's not okay. That's not okay for anybody. Like staying true to yourself, I think is always what we should be doing. So without further ado, Here is the episode. If you love it, please share it. I've been loving the reviews that you've been leaving. Um, I'm definitely going to start sharing more of those. And uh, here is one that I really, really loved. This one is from Nick to Cook, and she says, I just found this podcast a few weeks ago, and wow, it is great. Lots of great interviews to help empower women and help us grow our consciousness and presence in the lives of our children. Love anyone that feels as passionate about helping mothers as those in this podcast. To read that, I get chills all over again. And it really just, again, solidifies this work and, you know, the guests that I have on this show, these amazing people from all walks of life, um, just helping us all grow and just elevate the human consciousness. And that was DC screaming in the background. (laughs) We keep it real on this show. Okay, guys, without further ado, here is the episode. Enjoy. Well, hello, Anne. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so excited to talk about the work that you're doing as a birth worker and parenting coach and all of that. So welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so before we dive into all the juiciness of the podcast, um, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background about you and how you got into this work in the first place? Okay, I'll try to keep that very short and sweet. So I am a mom myself. I have four kids. And I came to first be just doing birth work because of my own birth experiences. I had a pretty traumatic and I would say traditional Western um, birth experience with my first kid and it was not pleasant for me. And so my second time around, I did it totally differently and it really was like an eye opener for me and I got 
very um, inspired and emboldened to really kind of, <laughs> I said, I, come, I became a birth evangelist. I was like, everybody needs to know. <laughs> and so that's when I first started my practice, I was only doing birth work and I was a birth doula. And then over time, I realized that I wanted to add childbirth education to my practice. And then as my kids were growing and my clients' kids were growing, I realized I was fielding lots lots and lots of questions about parenting and the motherhood mindset and discipline and all that stuff from like getting your kids to sleep through the night to tantrums to how can I carve out a minute in my life or why am I so miserable and stuff like that. And so I added coaching to my practice as well. I love that. And I feel like that's a very natural transition. I mean, the people that you've worked with when they're going through this major life transition are now like, Hey, my kids too. I don't yep. know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, totally. My practice just grew with me and my family. And, you know, now my oldest mm-hmm. kid is 14 and I've got a, my littlest is four. And so I'm, I'm like in all stages of motherhood at all times. <laughs> That's amazing. So, I mean, why is this work that you're doing so important to you? Why, why is this your purpose and your mission in life? So the simple answer is that I feel like the work I do helps heal families. So even though I work almost exclusively with mothers, um, I see from my own firsthand personal experience as a mom, but then also through my client, how helping heal and support a mother and give her the tools and belief and empowerment that she needs completely transforms the entire family unit. And so, um, and I saw a huge lack, um, in my clients and in myself of recognizing how important it is and what a gift it is for our children, for us to actually be living and modeling complete, happy, self-actualized lives, um, for our kids. And so, you know, I'm sure you have already experienced this yourself with all the many people that you've talked to and interviewed, but we all have some little shred of mom guilt within us. And most of us have more than a shred. <laughs> right. And it really is so toxic for ourselves and for our families because we stop ourselves from doing the things we need to do that actually would be the key to making our families run smoother, but we feel guilty about doing them because they're for ourselves. And that's so, that's so crucial what you just said. I mean, that is the crux, I think, of every woman's the, the block that's holding them back from really living their best lives. It's like, well, I can't do this or I can't go on this solo trip somewhere because I'm taking away from my family. Why do you think so many women are afraid or just hesitant, I guess, to help themselves first? Because we all re- like, we're all smart. You know, everyone listening yeah. to this is educated and smart and doing amazing things. Why do you think we don't take that step when we know it's going to be good for us? I think, well, first of all, I think that for some of us, we don't know that it's going to be good for us. We Mm -hmm. feel on a very deep, almost primal level that doing things for ourselves is somehow tacitly taking away from the other people, namely our children, who we feel like we need to be doing things for. So I think for a lot of people, especially when I first start working with moms, I hear all the time, and it's not something they even are consciously aware of, but I hear from moms all the time this this kind of like intrinsic belief that, well, if I do this thing for myself, that means that I'm not doing something for my child and therefore I'm taking away from my child. So I think, I think that's the first thing. I think there's definitely elements in our society, especially, I know probably most of your listeners are in the U S the society that we grow up in is kind of 
talking out of both sides of its mouth. We talk about family values. We put mothers and families up on this pedestal, but it's not in a reverent way. It's in a judgment and um, unattainable ideal way. And then on the other side, we make it practically impossible for families to function properly without any maternity leave, without support, without paternity leave, like all these elements that would make it um, so that women understand, like, you're supposed to need a time to get used to doing this. You're not supposed to know how to do this on your own from the very beginning. And you're never, ever, ever, no matter how old your child is, supposed to be able to do this by yourself. We are mm. tribal creatures, and we do not live in a tribe anymore. And, in fact, our our society really shuns that. And so the situation is ripe for, for these women, myself included, who have grown up their entire lives before they became mothers, feeling perhaps marginalized, mistreated, devalued, not thinking that much of themselves and being very critical on themselves. Then they come into motherhood and it's more of the same, only 10 times worse. Oh because my God. the stakes are so high once you have a kid. Failure is not an option. Once you have a child, once you're a mother, you know, you just can't accept it. But um, it's kind of like this catch-22 because we will make mistakes. We will fail as moms over and over and over again. And if we can't accept that about ourselves, we're just in an impossible situation. Man, that's 100% true. I feel like you're speaking to my direct experience. I mean, no, because that's what happened to me. I mean, I had my first son when I was about 25 years old. Um, it was fast and furious. And then it was like, I felt like I was completely drowning and I had moved to a new state because my husband was from Georgia. I was completely isolated. I had no tribe anymore. I mean, it was incredibly hard. I mean, I literally was on the bathroom floor one night crying because I just, I felt like I wasn't doing or being enough. And this was like never going to get better. Like I needed you in my life back then, <laughs> you know, because I, I needed me in my life back right. then too. I've got practically the same story. My first kid was born when I was 25 and I have a distinct memory of standing over him while he slept in his crib, weeping, tears falling onto my son's face, thinking <laughs> this is the biggest mistake I've ever made. And it's the only thing I can't undo. And I can't tell anybody because that's a terrible thing to believe. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, I totally get it. And I, I, when do you think that the, that tribal system kind of went away from our society? Because I feel like my mother, you know, she had her family around, you know, the women back then, you didn't necessarily all go to work like we do now. When do you think that kind of faded away? I mean, cause this, this system now that we have is made for machines. This is not like a human system in place anymore. <laughs> I totally agree. That's why I'm not living in the States right now, or one of the reasons why I don't. <laughs> um, so obviously I'm not a historian or anything, but I would say that I think it started way, way, way before our parents' generation. I mean, it's definitely true that more mothers stayed home with their kids, but it's also true that mothers still felt isolated and sad and bereft mm -hmm. and unable to pursue the things they wanted for different, perhaps different, or maybe a different nuance of the reasons why we feel that way now. I mean, now it's like, like you can have everything, you can do anything, you can have a career and you can have kids. And then you have no idea how many moms I hear was like, well, what's, what's wrong with me? Like other mm -hmm. people are able to have a career and take care of their family and their house is clean and they don't scream at their kids. And why can't I do that? I'm like, Oh sister, nobody's doing that. Like mm -hmm. You can have all the things, but not at the same time. <laughs> like there's still only 24 hours a day and you're still only one person. 
the difference now is that you can choose what you want, but you still have to make a choice. And, and I think it's kind of a lie that we've been spoon fed through this kind of like revolution for women, but the feeling of like isolation, talk about hormones, all of those things. I think that's been a long time coming because like, when was the last time we truly lived in tribes and over the last generations, people live farther and farther away from their families. You know, it's just, I think it's just something that's been building over a long, long time. Oh, 100%, 100%. So we've recognized the problem. We're aware of it. We've talked about it. That's why I love doing this show because like someone listening right now is like, thank you for saying that because I've been feeling this and nobody's talking about it. So thank you. Um, So now that we're aware of the problem and it's not a shameful thing, it's a reality. What can women do to feel more empowered in their lives to realize that, okay, this is what's going on. I'm not feeling great right now, but there's something I can do. Mm -hmm. One is actual skills, like learning how to respond and parent and discipline your child in a way that's effective and empowering to your child and actually works for you. And the other is family systems, things as simple as making rules, having a routine, a chore wheel, getting maybe somebody to come and help you with cleaning the house during the week or all those little um, kind of home admin things that seem maybe superficial, but they're game changers. Like getting something like a babysitter two mornings a week can completely transform your life as a mother if you've been never, ever, ever had a minute to yourself since your Mm. baby was born. And there's so many women who are in that situation. Um, so the work that I do focuses on all three of those areas, the mindset piece, the systems piece, and the discipline piece. Because when I first started working with moms, I only, I'm outside of birth, I only was really focusing on the discipline piece. I was teaching them like, you know, how to get your kids to listen the first time you ask, how to, you know, keep your cool when your kids are making you want to pull your hair out, how not to scream, why it's so important to have compassion when you're disciplining your children and all that stuff. Well, that was really, really important but it didn't, um, it wasn't enough because if a mom is feeling completely overwhelmed, spread too thin, like at her wits end, telling her to stay calm while she disciplines her child, it's just not going to happen because she's completely, um, yeah, she's just completely depleted. She doesn't have that in her left to give her child. And so I realized like, okay, we really need to be kind of backing up here and talking about like, what are you doing for yourself? How do you feel? What do you think your job is as a mom? Because if you think your job is to make your kids do stuff and create a certain kind of a person at the end of this whole 18 year shenanigans, you're going to feel like a failure 24 seven because you are not capable. None of us is capable of forcing another person in this world, including our children, sometimes, especially our children Mm -hmm. to do anything. And if you think that's your mandate as a mom, you're barking up the wrong tree. So, you know, backing up and really recognizing like, that's not my job. That's not my job as a mom. And I'm actually am doing my job and, you know, kicking butt and taking names at it. I just don't see that because of, you know, all these other mindset pieces and that I've set myself this impossible task. I need to reframe so much. So there's a lot of that mindset piece that has to happen. And then like the systems piece, it's quite simple in one hand, but it's hard in others because if you don't have have the belief that you deserve to have a home and a family that run well, and that might need, you know, some help from people outside of yourself, you're not going to do those quite simple things like Mm -hmm. perhaps calling a cleaning lady to come once a month, or perhaps getting a babysitter or a mother's helper to come in once a week. Those things are quite simple for many of us. If we have those means, 
but so many of us aren't doing it because we don't feel like it's, it's right or okay, or it means something bad about us and things like that. So that systems piece, even though it's so simple, like organize your family, make a routine, you still, um, sometimes come to it kicking and screaming. (laughs) Some of my (laughs) clients do, or it's like, you are not a bad mom. If you need a break once a week, it's okay. You know, that kind of thing. Do you find that when women start putting in these systems that they take to it pretty quickly? Like once they make that initial step to do it and they like push past that uncomfortability, then are they like loving it or they, do they want to go back to the way they were? Well, that's a def- maybe a more nuanced question than you realize <laughs> because, you know, once we go back to the mindset piece, like human beings are creatures of habit. And when we're trying to make a change in our life, whether we, we can be talk about it as like, Oh, I'm trying to eat more healthy. I'm trying to get up earlier. I'm trying to start exercising more. I'm trying to implement a routine with my family, whatever it is, human beings resist change. And so even though we get over that like initial hump of like, okay, I'm starting this new thing and I need to learn how to do it. And for at first it's going to be a little bit of a slog. And then we get to the other side of that. And it's like, Oh yeah, this is working great. We still have not necessarily completely embodied and created a new identity for ourselves. Like I now am a person who doesn't, I don't just do this thing. I am this thing Mm. that takes time. And when we're still in that, like sort of what I call that resistance phase of, of learning a new skill and really having to be intentional and mindful about it, when the going gets tough, when you get stressed, human beings naturally resort back to their default, which is their like primal fear space of like, that's why we yell at our kids. That's why we get in fights with our partners or, you know, whatever, or we revert back to thinking bad thoughts about ourselves when we're trying to start thinking positive, all those things. And that's why I've realized for myself personally and for my clients, like it's not enough to like, for me to just write a book and here's, here's everything you need to do. Like you need accountability you need a coach because working with somebody consistently over all that time is what's actually going to get you there. Cause you're definitely going to hit some hiccups. You know, most, most people work with me for six months and try to imagine a time in your life, a six month period in your life where nothing weird or stressful happened. Right. Never. That's never. So when I start working with the mom, I'm like, we're going to be together for six months. And I promise you there's going to be at least one day where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. I, I give up. I stink. I'm a crappy mom and you know, whatever. And that's why you have a coach because I can be there with you and be like, okay, let's figure out what's going on. Let's get back on the horse, all that stuff. But as far as like the actual experience of like, what is it like when you first start adopting these things? Most of my clients are second session. They're like, Oh my God, I completely transformed my life. My kid is listening to me. I haven't yelled at him in like a week. (laughs) I'm like, I know you're like in the honeymoon period. Right, right, right. Stuff really works. Just wait three months from now. We're going to be having a tearful conversation because you're like, I can't do it anymore. So it's not that the things don't work or it takes a long time for them to work. That's not the case at all. Having a schedule, learning how to respond to your kids with love and empathy, all those things, you can do that overnight practically, but sticking with it and making it part of who you are and how you navigate the world. That's the part that takes time. I love that you just said that because, you know, so many people on these shows, like we were talking about before, like put a nice little bow on something and say, you just do it this way and then your life will be forever. Great. But you were just so real with, you know, what really happens in these situations. And I love that. I feel like we just broke down a wall of like, fakeness. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about what do you mean when you mention the sexual revolution? What do you, what, what's going on? With that? Oh yeah. So I wrote a blog post. Oh gosh. It's probably like, I don't know, maybe four or five months ago at this point that was basically like why my sexual re- revolution is actually having less sex. And I did not, I should have known that it was going to be like one of my <laughs> popular blog posts. Cause anytime you talk about sex, people are in love it. I have a, my most popular video is one that I did where I talked about sex with my teenager and we talked about like porn and masturbation and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And everybody loves that video because it's, I mean, how many of those do you see where a 14 year old is going to talk on a video about that? Right. So anyway, that, that blog post was, um, really popular. And really what I just meant was, I just think, and this is definitely born out of my own experience, but I've since realized that a lot of women my age, which is almost 40, um, are, have had the similar experience is you just get, reach a point where you're like, you know what? I'm not 19 anymore. Okay. And I shouldn't have been having sex when I didn't want to then, but I'm definitely not doing it now. Mm. And you realize so many things, or at least I did, I can only speak for myself, but I realized so many things about the way that I thought about sex and my body. And of course, some of that is about your own self-esteem, body image and body dysmorphia and all those fun topics that we get to enjoy (laughs) sometimes as women. But even deeper than that was this idea of like, you are supposed to, and then anytime someone says supposed to or should around me, I'm like, ah, buzzer, <laughs> red flag. Mm-hmm. But my idea used to be, you know, a good wife or the, the mark of a good marriage is that you have sex a certain amount of time for certain frequency. And my husband and I both realized that we had come into our marriage, basically assuming that his sex drive was the normal, the thing that we needed to like use as our yardstick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And anything that deviated from that on my part was wrong. So he wants to have sex X times a week and I want to have sex a different frequency. And it literally was like a revelation to me when I realized like, what if my sex drive is just as normal and healthy as his? It's just different. Like, what if I'm not a freak because I only want to have sex twice a month? What if I'm, what if I'm not broken? And we completely changed the way that we approached our sex life. And I'm not going to lie. It was rocky there for a while because we went from me being like, okay, it's time for me to do my duty, Mm -hmm. even though I'm not that into it to like, no, like I'm too old for this crap (laughs) and I'm not doing that anymore. Like I just, I don't want to. And I think it's really messed up that I should. And I don't want to give for one second, the false impression that my husband ever like pressured me or nothing like that. It was all coming from my own self, uh, image of what my role in the world was and what was normal and what was abnormal. And it, it was all from my own part. And that's why it was this revolution it was a revolution for me of like, yeah. I'm just going to realize this in a totally different way. And, um, yeah, I, I will say that it it's not for the faint of heart. Anybody out there who's starting to think about doing this, like <laughs> it led to like a six month like place between me and my husband where we, we definitely fought. We had to really completely change. It pushed both of us like so far outside of our comfort zones when you think of, um, in terms of how we saw ourselves and what the world owed us or 
what our rights were and things like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, it was pretty intense, but I mean, I feel like also it was necessary. It's kind of like that saying the only way out is through, like we had mm-hmm. to go through that. And so that we could stay together truthfully, because I wasn't yeah. going to spend the rest of my life in that vibe that I had put myself in truthfully. But I think that that's what so many women, you know, they find themselves in that situation, but they don't have the courage or necessarily the voice to, to bring it up and have that difficult conversation. Because I think everybody knows like the key to any relationship is communication, right? Like that's basic right. relationships 101, but to actually have that conversation to be like, no, I don't want to be this way. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that must've been incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why I say like, I reached this age. It's not because a 20 year old or 25 year old or whatever, couldn't say the same thing or have the same right to say those things, of course. But for me personally, it, it took, it took this long for me to get to the place where I knew myself well enough and had kind of, I don't know, excavated my own <laughs> inner garbage enough to understand the kind of messed up messages I was working on. Because I think even if I had had the feeling or the quote unquote bravery to have that conversation 10 years ago, I don't think I would have even realized that, um, the, that I was even telling myself a story about your marriage is supposed to be like this, or there's something wrong with you if you don't want to do this or whatever. I don't think, I think I would have, if someone had asked me in that time, I would have said, Oh no, it's, this is, you know, this is just how it is. And, and we have to do this because it's right for our, for our marriage and it's good to keep our marriage healthy. And, and I want to do that. You know, I, mm-hmm. it matters to me. I, you know, it's just, I think as you age, I mean, thank goodness, I don't want to be the same as I was when I was 15 or 20 right. or whatever, but you know, as you age, you just keep peeling back more and more layers of yourself and realizing like, wow, I didn't even know that this is who I am, or this is a whole new side of myself, or I'm so much more comprehensive and complex and subtle than I knew. So I think yeah. it, it is the bravery piece for sure. Like you said, of, of, you know, forcing yourself or, or being bold enough to have that conversation, but then also even knowing yourself enough to realize that you want to have that conversation. I wonder too, if like you working with all of these women, you know, for the past, how many years, like that has actually changed you and made you more self-aware oh you hit the nail on the head in in subtle and in maybe more shallow ways too like one of the reasons why I was ready to have that conversation with my husband is because like I sit here in front of my computer Mm -hmm. all day every day and my clients tell me what's going on in their lives and I knew after speaking to hundreds of women I'm like I'm not weird (laughs) like Oh, wait, like I think it totally emboldened me to realize like I'm totally normal and I'm not going to uh, think anything different than that from now on, like enough. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm so grateful for that experience. I mean, obviously in way more deep and profound ways than just like, Oh, now I know what a hundred different women's sex lives are like, (laughs) but in this specific instance, that meant a lot to me for sure. And then also on the more like maybe profound or subtle way. It's like connecting with women. It's a huge privilege for me. And, you know, we talked about a tribe earlier, like, you know, the modern world doesn't allow us to be hunters and gatherers or whatever anymore. But through the work that I do, I do feel like I have a tribe. I'm connecting to women in ways that are so profound and, and it, it is empowering for me. And also, 
I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you know, it kind of just lights a fire under your mm-hmm. butt of like, we need to do something about this. Like, this is not right. You know, I totally, I totally relate to that. I get that hundred yeah. percent. Um, just in the past, like two years of like blogging and then the podcast and everything like that completely have found that feeling that tribe as well, because it's like, we're all out there. We just right. need to connect. And then when we do, it's like incredible things happen. Right. Really do. I think but- it's, the people like like you and like other people who are willing to not only put themselves out there and make themselves available and talk about parenting stuff, but also to show their like really not so pretty parts of their mm-hmm. life. You know, like I recently went to Bali for three weeks and mm. it was like an amazing trip and everyone was like super excited and it sounds so romantic and like, you know, all woke of me to do that. But <laughs> the reason why I went there was because I was in a really dark place and I was dealing with a lot of stuff and we wind up whether we want to or not being kind of uh, people that people come to for support or advice or resources or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I definitely have when I first started working with parents outside of birth, I felt a lot of pressure that I couldn't expose my mistakes or, or insecurities or anything except to a select few people because I felt like I was going to lose the respect of all these people that I, I mean, to be honest, as a business person was hoping would want to work with me. Mm -hmm. And so you realize you can't, you can, but you have to be brave about, but at first it, it does feel like you can't, you can't put yourself out there. You can't share your mistakes and struggles and things like that. And so I think it's, it's not just putting yourself out there, but putting yourself out there and actually really authentic way instead of just showing your highlight reel, as we say. 100%. And I think that that's coming. I think that there's definitely been an awakening in the woke community, you know, in the coaching space, like more and more people are doing that. Um, but obviously we still have a long way to go. And I don't know, I think it's just that internal pressure that we just put on ourselves. Like everyone wants to be, you know, perfect and wants to at least show their best face, especially to people that they don't necessarily know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I mean, by you doing that, by you saying that right now, like that's changing, you know, that's changing the, the right. global consciousness right there. Like, this is something that's come up in a coaching group that I'm leading right now, um, where, you know, especially when you're talking about social media, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be something like some, a comment your mother-in-law makes or some lady at the playground or something, mm-hmm. but you know, those things, depending on what your mindset is and what you're bringing to the table can be super triggers. You know, how do you parse out the stuff that's actually important for you to deal with, but it's private. It's your own business. It's your own mind drama. It's your own story that you need to get healing around and process and explore and stuff like that. But you don't need to do that with that other person, whether it's have a big old fight with your mother-in-law or go back and argue with somebody on Facebook or whatever. And how much of, of it is something that you need to do publicly or with an interaction with another person of, of setting boundaries, responding to somebody in a way that kind of puts, put things right. And it's very, very hard to parse those things out. And it's also hard to kind of pump the brakes and be like, I'm not going to respond at all right now. My Mm -hmm. policy with my clients is like, give yourself 24 hours to just feel all the feels. And then you'll be so much better capable 24 hours from now of understanding like how much of this is stuff that is for the public eye and how much of this is Mm -hmm. stuff that's like very important, but it's my own problem and it's my own business and it it doesn't belong out there. So especially for people like you and me who are, are out there anyways, 
I think there's like a third layer there, which is like, how much of this am I keeping to myself because I'm embarrassed versus how much of this am I keeping Mm -hmm. to myself because it's really nobody's business. And so, you know, the, the group coaching program that I'm leading right now is a bunch of mompreneurs. So we're also doing business work as well as the parenting stuff. And so, you know, talking with these moms about like, you know, how much do you really want to engage with someone who's giving you a negative review, for example, but it's all so interconnected. It's all really about your own, once again, maternal mindset, that mindset piece that's triggering you or creating this reaction to you or making you feel obligated to do something that's really not aligned at all for you and things like that. So I love it. Interesting. All that stuff is so interconnected. It is, it is. And for what I'm getting, like from the, the core of your work really is about shifting people's stories and mindsets about themselves and about their lives. And it's like, when you do that, like you really do become a different person and you have a different life. Right. Totally. And I mean, when I'm actually working with clients one-on-one, there's a huge part of what we do. That's about discipline. And like I said, getting kids to listen and, you know, handling tantrums and stuff like that. You know, today I know that we want to talk about maternal mindset and it's a huge piece for sure. And I think the take home message that I hope all of your listeners will take from this is that all three of those elements that systems, the mindset and the behavior and that discipline piece are so crucial that you can't have any of them be successful if you don't have the other two mm-hmm. and and you're you're so right you know if you, if you really do don't if you really have your mindset in a negative headspace or a place where you're just completely uh you know basically hanging by a thread or in survival mode those other two pieces are just they're never going to happen yeah I love that and that was my last question like what's your biggest takeaway so I love that you ended yeah. with that <laughs> we're so in sync um yeah. but you know as you were talking like I do my sister came to mind and she is someone who, you know, it works really hard, way more than full-time. And then she's got a, a child at home and she feels a lot of the time just completely out on edge, like burned out, kind of that negative mindset. And she's like the most loving person you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, how would you approach someone like that? You know, and that, that's a lot of my listeners too. Like they're oh, hard workers. Yeah. They've got multiple kids. Mm-hmm. <sighs> To end out the interview, what would you say yeah. to her? How can she improve her week, her day, her life yeah. starting, starting so the, today? The first thing I, whenever I am talking to a mom who's also working um, outside of the home, whether part-time or even full-time, you know, I always ask everybody, do you have any childcare? Do you have any times when you're not with your kids? And working moms almost always say, oh yeah, I'm away from my kids all the time because I go to yeah. work. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't count. <laughs> right. So my second question always with working moms is like, when are you away from your kids and not working? And almost always the answer is never because they feel guilty because they're already away from their kids plenty of time because they're working. And so they don't really do anything to take care of themselves many, many times. And I just want to say, the obviously, there's like a six months worth of work I could do with your sister. But right. the one thing I would say to her is work is not self-care. And you need self-care. Every human being needs self-care. So just because you have a job doesn't mean that you get to skip that. That's like saying, well, I ate breakfast, so I never have to eat again. Or, <laughs> or actually, it's more like saying, well, I slept. So, and that's one basic human need. So I guess I don't need food because I already have one of my needs. It's not possible. You need self-care. So work doesn't count (laughs) as self-care. It's something else that you're doing that's amazing, but it's not self-care. Yeah, that's kind of like tiny little nutshell for her. (laughs) I love that. And for everyone listening, I I hope you really embody that this week. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Well, now is the time for our rapid fire question section. Ooh, Are you ready? Yay. Yes. I heard this on one of your other podcasts. <laughs> oh God. What is she going to ask me? Can I answer fast? Enough? I know I change <laughs> up. They're not always the same. So, okay. Good. Okay. Um, okay. Motherhood is. Motherhood is creating a safe space for our kids to make mistakes and experience what happens when they do that. Mm. Self-care is. Filling yourself up. It can look like anything. Mm. The world needs. Mm. Self-love and acceptance. I love that. And what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Oh, something someone would have told me earlier on about motherhood. Um, I would say that no matter how much you want to be a mom, you'll probably regret it for at least one minute a day for the rest of your life. (laughs) God, you're so real. I love it. (laughs) You're like speaking to my soul, this whole conversation. I love that. Okay. So how can our listeners find you, work with you, and then tell us about the freebie that you're going to offer everyone listening right now. So my business is called mom me experience, but it's mom me like M E because it is all about the me and the mom. Um, and you can find me online and my website, mommeexperience.com. I also have a Facebook group uh, by the same name. Um, and if you're interested in finding that blog that I was talking about, that sexual revolution, I'll, I'll send you a link for that, Lizzie. You can put it in the, um, in the show notes. Absolutely. And and the freebie that I have for everyone, and I hope everybody takes me up on it because this freebie is really good. It's a free guide to getting your kids to listen the first time you talk. And that is super easy to find. It's a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash mama guide. And, uh, yeah, I was just actually going over that guide, um, just recently with a coach of mine and she was like, this guide is really good. I'm like, I know I'm really proud of it. (laughs) It really walks you through step-by-step exactly how to implement natural consequences without losing your cool and yelling and all that stuff. You could probably make a huge change in your family just with that guide. Mm, And that was why I wrote it. So. I love it. Definitely send that today because I need to read it and okay. <laughs> get this out to the world. Yeah. Lizzie needs it first. <laughs> <laughs> me first, me first. Yeah, I hope Yellow. you do. I hope you do use it and then you can tell everyone how great it is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, this is such a pleasure. I feel like, God, I got so much out of this conversation. So that tells me that the audience is, is absolutely in that same place. So thank you so much, Anne. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your life. Thank you. Yes, of course. You've been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. If you found any kind of value out of this conversation today, please share us on your Instagram stories, tag us at Motherhood Unstressed, and hit those five stars. It literally takes five seconds to do that, and you will feel so good for uh, giving back to the show if we have given anything to you. Have a great week. Love you guys.